live from New York, or well, reported in New York. It's the Adobe and Teardrops podcast with your pal, Rachel Post, bringing you all the alt-country, rock and roll, roots music, and more that I think sounds good. It's the Adobe and Teardrops podcast. Welcome to Adobe and Teardrops, Lily Lewis. This is the first Adobe and Teardrops episode I've recorded since June. So <laughs> I'm going to be shaking off some rust myself here. How are you doing? How's it going in New Orleans? Doing pretty well. Like it's weather is gorgeous. It's Sunday afternoon. It's like, you know, I've, I've committed to taking peace wherever I find it. So I've I'm indulging in that today. And then I know you also have some exciting things coming up because your album Americana will be out on Friday. It feels like I've waited all year and I'm just like, get this baby out of me. Like, so yeah, the fact that it's going to be in the world soon, you know, it's, it kind of makes my skin feel a little bit tingly and, and warm. I think I'm just really happy that we made it. It was hard to make between the pandemic and like lots and lots and lots of hurricanes and and also some like interpersonal so it it was loaded and and now it's here i'm really happy that it that it exists (laughs) and uh, i can't wait for everyone else to hear it we played a cut from the album over the summer wrecking ball that was on the episode i recorded with grace pettis about feminist country music and i understand am i right that you got a rainy day fund or grants to uh, help with this album? It did. It came through, you know, Color Me Country. But yeah, absolutely. Like, what an amazing fund that was. I mean, basically, I got to the spring and we still had like three songs to work on. And I was really, I was just totally out of cash, you know. And so they pretty much saved the day, including finishing a production on a new version of Breaking Ball. Like, that went more... Like the one that I that was on the EP was more of a black block party situation, and the new one is more in the ruthless direction. But you know, yeah, like it's this year. Just even with the announcement of the fellow new country fund earlier, it felt like it started or like launched a whole new season for, especially you know, black artists making like country and Americana music. It just felt like. Amazing to have a really simple email saying, hey, can you help? And the answer just being no questions, just yes, we have you. We have you back. I mean, you can't beat it, right? You can't beat it. Yeah. And yeah, it's just an amazing sort of trio of grants that exist. Color Me Country, for anyone who might not be familiar with it, is sort of managed by Reese Palmer, who hosts the Color Me Country show on Apple Radio. Um, it's specifically to work with artists uh, of color who are working in like kind of more in the commercial country world. And then the Rainy Day Fund has a broader mission for artists and roots in Americana who are of any kind of marginalized identity. So speaking of Americana, oh, go ahead. With, uh, with Racy's Fund is that it pretty much covers the same genres. And I think that shows up a lot because artists of color and particularly Black artists in, in the States we're going to be cross-genre anyway. We're, we tend to be, we 
tend to speak multiple languages because for for us, you know, for a lot of us, there's a singular through line through a lot of different languages that might filter out into commercial country for some, but not for all. And so I've, I've you know, given the list of artists that, that have gone through the color of the country kind of branch of that and you know, it covers the spectrum. It's not, it's not as narrow as commercial country. So I, I certainly am not a commercial country artist. But. <laughs> That's right. Thank you. We're definitely about to hear that. So I was going to ask you, I feel like your album Americana, it sort of taps into a lot of different genres, as you were saying, and except for Wrecking Ball, I think I would say most of it is very different from like what most people expect from Americana. Like it's not guitar based really there's a I mean they're guitars of course but I hear like a lot of gospel like we're going to hear on a healing inside I know your twitter handle is folk rock so for you what are you signaling with calling the album Americana well a few things actually like for starters country started with gospel like the whole Nashville industry started with black gospel churches that were in Nashville and 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 the publishing industry was built on gospel. And so, you know, so for me, there's there's no kind of like, you know, separation there. It's like, oh yeah, this is in the tradition. And then if you think about, you know, the Carter family, like that, that was all built on gospel as well. A lot of that from the black church as well. So it's like, there's an absolute clear through line, you know, to commercial country, you know, with gospel at its roots. And I think, you know, it's it's certainly not guitar heavy because I'm not a guitarist. And luckily, as I'm I'm a pianist and a lot of times people don't associate a uh, piano with Americana, but I think that's that's just a matter of practicality. It's a lot easier to travel with <laughs> a piece of wood strapped to your back, you know, rather than like a giant heavy piece of wood put in a in a pickup truck to travel around with I think, you know, I think that's just a, a matter of numbers, but of course, you know, piano has been in, in um, country and the, and the thing about Americana as, as it being like a kind of progressive offshoot of country, it's hard for me to talk about Americana without, or talk about country, or actually talk about them as separate things. Like, you know, because like, I like to question whether or not we need all of these offshoots at some yeah. point. Especially since the initial offshoots were invented to keep us segregated. So when, you know, you take music that was made by the same people or inspired, you know, by the same people, often working together, learning from each other. And, you know, and then for commercial reasons, say, well, these people are shopping over here. So we'll call it race records. So we'll, so they'll know what they're permitted to buy. And these people over here. You know, we'll call it hillbilly or what, or, you know, what became country, you know, so they'll know what to, it's like, you know, that's, that's an artificial separation to begin with. And I think that musically speaking, my I, idea was to bring all those languages back together again under one roof and do so unapologetically. And the other thing about it is that the narratives, the songs are all stories, like whether it's stories of rural black America, like with Wednesday's child, that's, you know, my family's story on my father's side, or, you know, there's stories about immigration and refugees. There's, there's you know, stories about the unhoused and, and, and bearing witness to the wisdom 
that comes from, you know, from us all sharing space, you know, like the whole, the whole narrative is about the wisdom of us all sharing space. And a lot of these stories, I don't necessarily think get told. And so every song on this album is narrative for my walk and my very privileged walk because getting to see more dimension, getting to hold space for, for like deep history stories, I consider a privilege. And I'm just, I'm just going to try to reflect those facts in as, in as beautiful and mindful way as I can muster. So speaking of beautiful, we picked for our theme today songs by Black women who make us feel great. So I chose to... No, I used a different word. I said oh, empowered. Empowered. Sorry. Thank you. You're right. Let's scratch that because you're right. Make us feel empowered. Sorry. Shaking off that rust. So I want us to start with The Healing Inside, which is from Americana by Lily Lewis. I chose a healing inside because for me I know we were just talking about gospel music and listening to it I f- feel like this incredible sense of unity while listening to the song which I know we'll also talk about a little bit with Sweet Honey and the Rock the lyrics as we're about to hear them it really to me is also about like what we deserve and what we all should be demanding from society and so to me that's why the song feels empowering but Lily you mentioned <laughs> That, uh, I, I love that. Like, I think, you know, it's funny because like we see, you know, yeah, we should be demanding it from society, but it landed at a time when I knew society was never going to give me any of those things. And I had to find them inside myself. And then when I, I met this community of Black women artists who, you know, who were in the process of doing the same thing. And so that we were kind of mutually healing each other during the, during the pandemic. And among that group of, of amazing women was like the real Lady A, who I'd been reading about for a whole year before she was there, like in front of me on this Zoom screen. And she was like in full radiant glory. And she was kind of, in a lot of ways, a spiritual center of, of that group. And I just had no sense of, you know, the depths of her warmth and grace you know, in reading about her battle with the, the Nashville band. And so when she was the first to respond um, to this call of, of, of us collaborating on this song, like I was utterly moved. And she's she's the one singing the, the, the bass lead ad lib parts that like give the song all the dimension and meaning that I ever hoped for. So I need to give a shout out of deep appreciation and humble appreciation to the real Lady A, Seattle news legend, Anita White. Yeah. And then after we listen to that, we'll listen to one of Lily's picks and she'll tell us more about it. I have a healing inside of me. I have a healing inside I have a healing inside of me just now. And I have been longing for justice. I have been longing for justice. I 
And I have a yearning for safety. I have a yearning for safety. Self-sovereign human I am a self-sovereign human I am a self-sovereign human Just now And I claim space for my grieving I claim the space for my grieving. I claim the space for my grieving just now. And I am awake to my journey. I am awake to my journey.
I really appreciate you playing that tune. I have been obsessed with Sweet Honey and the Rock since I was about 13 years old. And interestingly in that, well, it's interesting to me, I discovered them by accident. I was like flipping through the channels one day and I saw a documentary about my great grandfather who was a storyteller named, um, well, his name is like William Faulkner, but not that William Faulkner. And right after that documentary aired, there was this new, this other documentary about Sweet Honey and the Rock. And I just thought that it was the most magical sound I'd ever heard. Of course, it reminded me of my father's church, but it was like, it was coming from these women who, who assembled in the name of like, calling out and seeking justice and and not all of the songs about justice some of them were about like you know personal like care and healing and grieving and and I just I just knew somehow at the cellular level that I needed that kind of intoning to work with my own grief and so I just you know sort of ingested everything I could find of her you know a few decades there and that particular tune felt like a little bit of a miracle to me because like you know it starts out like very distanced and by the end of it like everybody's bones are just rattling and they're just sitting on top of the world you know and I heard you know I know so many versions of that song um, but that one is the one that just rattles my bones and like gives me that like sort of eagle eye view that like it kind of makes me feel invincible. It's like it doesn't even matter that they're you know singing about lost love to me. What they're singing about is you know this kind of invincible force 
you know, that lives in all of us when we straighten our spine and, and you know, reach, you know, reach for that, that, that high mountaintop. And so, yeah, so that, as many Sweet Honey songs as I love, this one never fails to, to just get me in my bed. Yeah, I love, I can't say I've spent much time listening to their music, but whenever I do, I just always feel so, <laughs> so much better. I think you're totally right about, like, when you listen to them sing, like, you really feel it on a cellular level. It's like that unity and that chemistry is incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Over decades, you know, just watching them grow, um, watching them sort of pass it down to their you know, to, you know, Burns, Johnson, Regan's daughter, Toshin. <laughs> well, man, like, I, I'm like, yeah, I like, I feel like, you know, Peace Warrior, whatever, whenever. Yeah, and then uh, I guess my next song also plays on uh, chemistry. I want to play like a, a deeper cut from the songs of our Native Daughters album, uh, Music and Joy. The album obviously deals with a lot of very difficult themes, and I feel like Music and Joy in some ways helps to sort of lift when you listen to the album from start to finish, it does create a bit of an emotional reprieve, but it also touches on the fact that you, you need the reprieve because of all the horrific systemic abuses, people of color in America and in the Caribbean that produced music like this. So I thought I would jump in here with that song to encourage people if they haven't yet to listen to the whole album. And then I know you just mentioned Toshi Reagan, Lily, so We'll also listen to Mountaintop. And then I'd love to hear uh, more of your perspective on that song.
Oh my God. I still love that song. I, I mean, how long has it been? 20 years? I don't know. But, but I picked this song partially because, again, like that sense of journey, like it starts from nothing and we're gonna, and we just put one foot in front of the other and we're marching and we're marching and we're marching. And by the end of the song, you know, we're in, you know, full hallelujah as far as I'm concerned. Now, I also picked this song because because this song like has a history in my family. Like my wife, I, I met at a coffee shop. She used to come to my open mic and sometimes, you know, she would play guitar, but a friend of ours, a mutual friend, let me know that the little red bag she walked around with with a bag full of harmonicas. And once she played harmonica with one of these things, I was like, oh, I got to have you on my band, right? So she joins the band and we're going out to South Georgia for a, a women's music festival. And it's our kind of first time playing together, I can say that she, she didn't have a car. She was still an undergrad and didn't have a car. So I'm, I'm taking her to this thing and I put on this record and this opening song is the suck. And as soon as the lyrics start, she starts singing. And I'm like, what do you know about this song? And because I didn't know anybody in the South, you know, who knew about Toshi like that. And she's like, oh yeah, she picked it up at, from the, the local feminist bookstore, Cares Books in, in Decatur, Georgia. And, and we just rocked out like to Toshi, like the whole ride to this South Georgia concert. And it's like, I think I kind of secretly knew right then, like she was the one, you know, but like it took several years later uh, for us to come together like that. But like, it, it's just a core song. And the first time I saw her play it live with Big Lovely was up in New England. Her band was opening for a Sweet Honey in the Rock concert. And I think I got to maybe four measures before I started bawling and just, you know, kind of cried for the duration of the song because it turns out that that music in real life is even more potent than it is on the record. So, yeah, Mountaintop. <laughs> yeah she's so incredible um i met her very briefly when i was working the door at a, a queer country monthly concert where amethyst kia performed for the first time in new york city and like toshi came with like a bunch of her friends and i was like collecting money and like too nervous and maybe a little inebriated to like count the change correctly and, <laughs> and i just can't believe i made such an idiot <laughs> so I have made, I've successfully made the idiot of myself every time I've met Toshi. And I'm like, one day I'll, I'll get it right. But <laughs> not yet. I think she, I'm sure she just takes it all in stride. I hope so. I hope so. Yeah. And then I think like for my next artist, I found about her, I found out about her through another I think what it looks like is going to be ongoing concert series at the Black Opry Review. There was one show in New York that I believe Lizzie No helps to organize, and it looks like there's going to be another one in Nashville. And Roberta Lee was on that bill, so it was the first time I saw her. And the whole concert was an incredible experience. It was five artists singing in the round, and Roberta's songwriting is so like warm-hearted and generous. And so when we listen to Sunshine, I think like she's mostly been working in kind of like a more R&B sound. Of course, as we were saying earlier, like do genres really matter? So I think more of her music coming up is probably going to be more 
what we all tend to associate more with country and Americana. But I think Sunshine, which I think is one of her latest singles that's on Spotify, I think really captures the core of her songwriting. And I'm excited to see what her future recordings are going to turn out to be like. And then we'll listen to Ruthie Foster. Is it okay if I say a little bit about Roberto? Yeah, go ahead. I know you all met at Americana Fest. Yeah, we did. We did. Like, what I want to say about Roberta and this sort of, like, because she mentioned it too. She's just like, I, you know, felt like, you know, I was kind of working more in R&B, you know, kind of thing. And I was just like, yeah, but like, it's not, you hear in the song, like, Sunshine, you listen to that production. That's not an R&B production. That, a production like that will never show up on R&B radio. And this is one of the things I'm really, really passionate about in my work with Black artists in particular. The reason we think that we're doing R&B is because we've been told that we can't be doing anything else because of the color of our skin. And unless we are being performative country. Now, the whole thing we have to remember is that R&B was also invented to segregate us, right? It was, it was, we were, we were broken off on purpose. And yet you can hear R&B licks and R&B stylings in what's considered country music and commercial yeah. country, like all the time. So I don't consider Roberta's language R&B. And I had the same experience with Joy Clark, you know, like, it's like Joy Clark writes these sweet, elegant songs. She was another one on that New York Black Opera review. These sweet, beautiful love songs, her guitar stylings are you know, elegant and lovely. And her aesthetic, you know, even though she plays with amazing R&B musicians, she plays, you know, she's toured the world with Cyril Neville, who's just a, a funk, blues, R&B, you know, just you name it, just giant, you know, and legend. And, and yet that's not, that's not her leanings. And she's spent a lot of her career feeling out of place because she didn't think there was a genre for her. And I'm like, no, there is a genre. They just tell us that we're not invited because of what we look like. And, you know, and over time, you know, the branches of the tree have sort of evolved a little bit. You know, it's like, if we just have a slight and stronger backbeat, then all of a sudden, oh, it's, it's R&B. No, no, no. <laughs> you know, because you're going to be borrowing that, that backbeat for mm -hmm. your commercial country track in about six years you know it would have almost counted down so so yeah I feel like like I gotta stand up for for these artists and like welcome them in and that's for me what the Black Opry movement has been about it's just like no no you really you have a home you know even if thing even if you're told that you don't like and that's been my experience for most of my career being told what I was not with nobody willing to tell me what I was and so, you know, I had to tell them what I was again, which is why my album's called Americana. <laughs> okay. So that's the story. Uh, I got a love so strong. I think it's underlined in all cap. I was going to sing a song about happiness, but I couldn't stop smiling long enough just to get it out. Remind myself to walk by faith so much that I forget to doubt. I got so much fire in my bones. Couldn't fake a shout on the rise like some fresh bread. Bring the bakers out. I know that the trees die, the grass with the sometimes. But if the sunshade is coming back up for sure, because love will be there after midnight 
and faith will be under the moonlight. Joy can be found in the morning. There will be no taking my sunshine. Can't take my, can't take my, can't take my sunshine. Can't take my, can't take my, can't take my sunshine. Got a love so strong, I think it's bold print Highlight was gonna sing a song about joy But man, I couldn't stop laughing long enough Just to get it out Remind myself so much of my mother It's like she spit me out I got so much fire in my eyes Probably thinking that I blow them down I can see much clearer when it's pouring down No, it's kinda opposite, deep side We are much more than this physical body So when we die, we just rise to the sky Love will be there after midnight and faith will be under the moonlight joy can be found in the morning there will be no taking my sunshine can't take my can't take my can't take my sunshine can't take my can't take my can't take my sunshine you will never find a vibe like
and the, to go into the Ruthie Foster team, I feel like those songs are in such contrast with one another. Mm -hmm. Well, nobody's gonna steal my sunshine and the other ones, I'm trying to earn a good death. No, I'm not trying to earn a good death. I did earn a good death and I can't wait to go when it's time to go. Now, that to me is like the youthful bliss versus like that life that's hard lived. And, and, and I feel like that's the real contrast between me and Roberta. Like Roberta is so full of effervescence and I'm like, I'm this old lady just, oh God, you done beat me down. Like, you know, I work, I work so hard on behalf of those coming up behind me. Um, specifically to bust these door downs, like just to keep continuing to work to break the doors down for those artists like Roberta coming up. But I, I tell you what, my my death I feel is well earned. I I will be I will be rejoicing. I will be dancing when I have earned the opportunity to take that last breath and move on. And while and and in every day that I'm living, I will be fighting to earn that good death. And I don't know that that's something that is um, in other traditions. Like I don't know how many people kind of work with or understand that concept of earning, earning a good death. I know that my time with the Buddhists let me know that they understand that, you know, very well, like at least in the some Tibetan Buddhist traditions. And I know that that's part of my inheritance as, as, a, as a Black American is, is, you know, just trying to live with a certain degree of of dignity and purpose so that when my time comes you know i can go in peace you know and like there's nothing like knowing that death is coming anytime like yeah the buddhists say death is real and it comes without warning right anytime it's coming for you there's nothing more like what Potent. There's a no no better potent motivator than knowing how limited the time really is. You know, that's that's what keeps me on the clock. You know, <laughs> yeah. Ruthie's just such like a powerful person. Nobody can tell it like Ruthie. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> so before we get into our last set of songs, where can people find you on the interwebs? What are some things they should be looking out for? You're all going to be hearing this like a day or two after Americana comes out. So you should be hitting that follow button on Spotify, on Twitter, Instagram, all that good stuff. Awesome. Well, pretty much all over the interwebs, I'm the folk rock diva. So, you know, Twitter and not so much Instagram, but I'm there. I just don't hang out there. That, my website is lilylewis.com, but my mama spelled my name funny. So, so it's mirrored at folkrockdiva.com. So like, it's like you, you throw a stone in, but that's, that's where you can find anything you want to know about me or the music. I also have podcasts called folkrockdivatalk.com and and it's a, it's a pretty eclectic space where I talk about my life in music and in personal growth and in, uh, in trauma work and in race relations, being a fat-bodied artist, just the whole nine. Just create a safe space to sort of explore and have difficult conversations. It's a fun, fun warmth, a warm little space. But yeah, that's folkrockdivatalk.com. <laughs> and then, you know, one thing... I feel like I should be asking you about is the diva in 
your username because at first I thought it was like kind of a cutesy thing and I, I was like no way Lily's classically trained in piano and sings <laughs> opera <laughs> well it's it can be both right I was a classical soprano couldn't get more precious than that right and but I think the moniker showed up when, when I was in this rock band with my wife. We were called the Shiz, and we wrote a lot of heavy songs, but we tried, we like had a cutesy name to try to keep us from taking ourselves too seriously. And, you know, it was like I was the only Black member of the band, and I had this sort of operatic approach even to rock music. I got into, I always liked rock music, but I got, like, when I left opera, like I was still teaching voice for a little while. And one of my earlier students was a metalhead. And I was like, yeah, like these are the only people that are using their bodies mm-hmm. in that operatic way. Just like throwing everything that they're made of into that, into, you know, how they sing. And I was like, yeah. And that got me really like wanting to, you know, to sing that music. So that's that's where I got the moniker and over time it's become like it's become so many layers like you know some of it is like giving me permission to like to continue to evolve as a human and like get outside of myself and get beyond the vanity of trying to be in the music business but like you know as a human trying to like trying to hold space for that Gaia mother earth energy you know that means like loving everybody hard you know and that means like you know even indulging in in tough love sometimes but and the diva part is also meant like you know when it comes to big bodied women like how that that that's actually a sacred um it's a sacred tradition that's ancient and beautiful and powerful and that mirror doesn't always come back at me in this industry and so again I said it for myself you know so so there are lots of layers of to that little moniker and I love that there are lots of like awesome powerful layers that boil down to something like cute and ridiculous you know <laughs> you know and everybody's like she's not singing folk why is she doing it oh she's not singing and it's like, it's not rock. We have back to jazz. But it's like, like, no, my name is who I am. Don't matter what I sing. My name is who I am, you know? So and we like to say we it's it's folk because we sing songs for the people. And it's rock because we sometimes get loud about it. Mm-hmm. And good night, then the, the deep part is self-explanatory. <laughs> I'll have a link to the Billy's website in the show notes for those of you joining us as a podcast. And uh, yeah, so we are going to close out with two more songs. I picked a Chris Matthews song, Hope Revolution, from her newest album, Changemakers. I've interviewed Chris for a couple of articles on Country Queer. And the most recent one I interviewed her for was about the women's music movements. And then I've also interviewed her for the boot about Americana Fest. Anyway, so I feel like I've gotten to know her a little bit through these interviews. And, you know, the, the purity of energy and intent and hope in this song hope revolution is like absolutely there like ten thousand percent of the time she's just an amazing person i feel so lucky to have had like a chance to talk to her for even 10 minutes yeah and then <laughs> i think the tone might change a little bit with nina simone Sinnerman. lily <laughs> tell us about that well uh, if it's all right i want to also say you know i have to 
share in the love for Chris Matthews. I love that you pick such a pure song, but like Coke Revolution, but Chris is a pure soul, right? Like ever, who knows what she's really like, but she feels like a pure soul. Like she did so full of like wisdom and light and just like she's calling us forth into you know better being you know and I can't thank her enough for that so yay Chris Matthews thank you for being out there you know and of course you know in some ways Center Man is like an absolute you know absolute contrast to the energy that Chris puts out there but I I tie I get tied into songs first of all like I, I love the rhythm I love this is this is one of those tunes where it's just like for me this is absolutely a folk tune but a lot of people wouldn't call it that you know it's a folk tune because of its form and its simple approach to you know the song structure and the, you know and because it's a communal experience when you, know, when you experience the song so there are all these reasons why this is an absolute folk song for me and it's a you know it's a piano player and it's you know so it's all these mirrors for me and that rhythm you know if the theme is the songs that make me feel empowered, you know, like I get, I get lost in this rhythm. It's very meditative for me. And it like, it, it, it tickles my engine, right? It lights my engine up and like sets me on fire. But partially because there is this, like this ride for redemption in this song, right? It's like, you know, what are you going to do? Like, how are you going to redeem the the sides of you that would have you do bad things like we've all we've all messed up we've all you know we've all hurt someone we've all failed at some point like and if you haven't failed yet good on you but you will if you're out here in the in the world trying to do this work you will fail at some point and you might lose sight of your self-worth if you have some idea of yourself as being one who does not fail you know as being one who does not cause harm because we it happens it happens even for those of us with the best of intentions right and so this question throughout the song where are you going to run to like how are you going to find redemption you know and I feel like both as a trauma kid, you know, who walked the earth for a lot of years feeling like damaged goods for whom there was no redemption, being asked this song in the manner of, of a meditation, being asked that question over and over again, where are you going to run to? And then, oh, I ran to the rock and I ran to the river and I ran to the, and it's like, you know, like for something about it asks me to keep trying that the journey is what's going to save me. If there's any redemption for me, the journey is what's going to save me. And by the end of it, you know, it's just this primal cry of power, power, power. And like that power for me comes from like this infinite source, like the creative source that, that comes to me and animates my body and allows me to have conversations like this or allows me to write a song or allows me to, you know, you know, confront difficult truths or allows me to heal myself you know like that that sort of cry that like primal that primal command is what is necessary for a person like me to to feel that redemption and so yeah some people are are walking that list like you know light path 
And some of us are sweating out here, like trying to do that power work. But but that that song gets me in that space and, and reminds me of like of the value of redemption, like that we all can be used for good, no matter the harm we cause, you know? So I don't know what, if that's what the song's about, but that's what it means for me. <laughs> yeah, I love that. <laughs> and I feel like we're living in times where like, you know, everybody's being required to like pass somebody else's charity test. You know, I, I leave the first to admit that I will never be able to pass anybody's purity test, but I'm really, really trying to use my life for good work, you know, no matter how often I fail. <laughs> well, thanks so much, Lily. Thanks for sharing, uh, your empowering songs with us, but more importantly, thank you for sharing your humility and a little bit more into what goes in behind your songs. I really enjoyed our conversation. Same, I really appreciate your time. Is there anything else you, uh, you wanna make sure we get in there? I I just want to encourage folks, if you've got it in you, to to check out the record. I think it's it's meant for healing, and I know that some have been healed by it already. And it's a long, long, long journey. It's 55 minutes. And these days, 55 minutes is a lot to ask of people, you know, if you, if there are, there are ways to buy it and there are ways to consume it for free. Um, and my humble heart asks that you partake of these songs if you, <laughs> if you can. <laughs> I've seen so many flags flying high Some were rainbowed for pride Some were for saving black lives And some were owned to the one long lost The last time hate tried to rise But I haven't seen the red, white and blue for a while Yeah, I've seen so many flags flying high Some were red, black and green For celebrating Juneteenth some were signs of respect to the few proud and brave who keep us free. But I haven't seen the red, white, and blue lately. This country of mine hasn't felt much like itself. It's no wonder so many put old glory on the shelf. Until the promise of her colors was back within our reach. Then that star-spangled banner, she was aligned in every street. Our democracy under attack. Never thought I'd see the red. Wow.
river It was boiling around to the sea It was boiling around to the sea It was boiling all on the day So I ran to the Lord I said, Lord, hot me Ha! Ah. 
Thank you so much to the Lost Church Radio for having us on their internet waves. You can catch Adobe and Teardrops on the first Sunday of every month at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific Time, and the third Thursday of the month at 9 Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific Time. You can support Adobe and Teardrops by buying merch or hitting the old Patreon or Kofi links. Please tell your friends to like and subscribe to this podcast. You'll be able to hear a longer version of this episode on the podcast feed. Thanks, as always, to Alma Contra for making the introduction. Stay safe out there and stay brave.